I hear a knock, it's Esperanza, the little girl from 402. Coaxing me with candy canes, says, Come we set a place for you. Mama says, Don't bring a thing, you have to see our Navidad. She holds her breath till I say yes. Guess I wouldn't mind an empanada. We're a long to belong now. No, esta solo, solo. Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. Hey, I'm really excited for you to hear an amazing new Christmas song today, but I'll tell you more about that later at the end. You know, sometimes when we feel sorrow, we often want to isolate ourselves from others, but we shouldn't do that for very long because we need others, even if we don't realize it, and other people need you. We need each other because we can help each other. We can help others, and they can help us. In today's message, John David Mull tells us about joy and that joy is not the absence of sorrow. Joy is Jesus with us in the midst of our sorrow. And he sends others to help us. One day Jesus will come back and there will be an absence of sorrow forever. But for now, we have each other. And this message is also reflected in our Christmas song today at the end of this podcast. But first, Pastor John David Mull. We want a perfect season. Matter of fact, we want it to be like vacation. Right? If you could go anywhere tomorrow for a week, where would it be? It's paid for in advance. How many people are thinking Disney? Did I get it? There's some. I know somebody was. Yeah? Disney World, because Disney is perfect, right? Well, it's close to perfect. You go, it's clean, super clean, right? It did not help my feet, though. We went to Disney, and never in my life had my feet hurt worse than there. I wore the wrong shoes, and they were good shoes, and they were not the right shoes. But we like Disney. We like Disney uh, because you walk in, and there's no sorrow in that place anywhere, is there? You're not allowed to be. What about the workers? Do you know the workers? They're not allowed to be sad. You can't do it. Right? You can't give your name. You've got to be in character the whole time and never, ever, ever be sad. Don't show a glimpse of that because in Disney, everything is perfect. I was thinking about this week, uh, that, because I was, I was thinking back to a story that a professor from the seminary told me. Uh, he, he's a professor who teaches on preaching at the seminary, and he talked about a class there at the seminary where uh, two of his students were in, and he is teaching this class on preaching. And at the seminary, you get, you get kind of a, a few different groups of guys who are going through seminary to become pastors. You get the young guys who, uh, who just came out of high school, went to college, got their undergraduate degree, went straight to seminary. So they arrive at about 22 years old. They're there for two years on their vicarage for a year, back for a year, and then they're out as pastors. Those, that's about half the guys, right? And then you get the other half that are guys who've had other jobs for periods of time. I was kind of a middle guy because I was a second career guy. I was in my mid to late 30s while we were there, but... Uh, I had worked, I'd been serving in the church the whole time, so I was this kind of weird between. The rest of the guys 
were guys who had had jobs and families. Half of them were engineers. I don't know why that is, uh, but it's true. So if you're an engineer right now, God might be calling you into ministry because I saw that happening quite a bit. But he talked about this one particular class, and he talked about these two different students that he had. And he talked about the, the, the strange thing that was going on with these two students, because one of the guys was named, I believe he said Brent, and Brent's previous career was working at Disney. And he said Brent had this amazing gift that whatever text he heard, he found life in it and just brought joy to the whole room, right? Because that's what he was trained to do. He found life and he brought joy. And there was another guy in the room named Frank. Frank kind of had the opposite job of Disney. Frank's job dealt with death. Frank was a detective and one of the biggest parts of his job was training other detectives on wound recognition. And he said one day he brought to class a photo album, not of his Disney vacation, but of wounds for the class to see. And he said what Frank always brought to the table is when he would hear the text, he would hear the real and the sorrow that is in that text. He would talk about the sin and the pain of the world. And these two guys were in the class all the time. And when one was getting too high, the other one would step in and bring him down. And when this was getting too low, he'd step in and try to bring the class up. But there was a problem with the whole thing. And it was a problem that had to be dealt with at the seminary before these two guys go out. Because what it started to feel like, and what it started to feel like in the room, is that joy is the absence of sorrow. And I think we think about that a lot. And that's what we want on our vacations, right? If you go to Disney, or if you go on a cruise, you go to the beach, or you go to the mountains, the thing we don't want showing up is sorrow. We want joy, right? And we want that in this season. Give me joy. And what we mean when we say give me joy is don't give me sorrow. We talked about that some last week, about how we really want our Christmas to be great. At least, family, let's have one day where we can all get along and enjoy it. The food will be good. Be happy and smile, right? And so we come to Gaudete Sunday. Seems like a good Sunday to do that, right? Gaudete Sunday, rejoice. Matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 4, we, this is a famous text that's often on Gaudete Sunday. We didn't read it in our text today, but uh, Paul says this. I want you to read it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's a good Gaudete Sunday, isn't it? You like that one for your vacation? You'll take that text, right? As you're walking around in Disney, you're going, rejoice, this is great. I get to go on that ride and then that ride. The line's only an hour and a half. That's pretty good. <laughs> right? But we forget what's going on in the text. Paul is writing this text from prison. Paul is writing to these people from prison and telling them to rejoice in the Lord always. 
Rejoice in the midst of your pain and your despair. And Paul can speak to that, right? He's in jail and telling them, let's rejoice. Another huge character in the season of Advent is John the Baptist, right? We talked about him some last week. John the Baptist is a guy who, who was real with the world. But in, in, in a text that's pretty famous, John the Baptist comes to this point where he is in jail and he is facing his impending death. And doubt creeps into his heart. And he sends a couple of his disciples to go find Jesus and ask him, are you really the one or should we be looking for someone else? And Jesus answers him and he says, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. And he quotes Isaiah. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And they brought that back to John, and John rejoiced. Now, did Jesus come back and pull him out of prison? Do you know the story? Did he come back and save this guy who maybe is his cousin? Did he pull him out of his pain and his despair? Did he save him from the executioner? No. But he gave him hope. And then we come to our text today from Zephaniah. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. It's a beautiful text. This whole portion of Zephaniah in chapter 3, it's the end of the book, is beautiful. It's a text that we would choose to preach on on Gaudete Sunday. It's a text that lots of churches would choose to preach on Gaudete Sunday. I think it's a text that some of the mega, mega churches would preach on Gaudete Sunday. I'm talking about mega churches, right? We've got a pretty big one down the road here. That doesn't compare to some of the churches that we've lived around. Uh, when we were down in the Houston area, there was one just north of us that had about 28,000 members at that time. I think it's bigger now. And we would go every now and then. I remember Stephanie and I went to a Christmas Eve service. It wasn't on Christmas Eve. They would have like 10 days in a row of Christmas Eve services. And we went to their show one time. It was awesome. All right. You got to imagine an auditorium that seats thousands. And we came in and we were sitting in there. And the stage was huge. The stage was probably, I don't know, 10 times this stage, right? And they had uh, an incredible band and all this kind of stuff. And then over on this side of the stage, we were like, what's going on over there? Because there's nobody in that space. And then the band starts playing and they're singing the song. And the lighting comes on and the ice skater comes out. And she was a figure skater that all through the songs, they had put an ice skating rink in Houston on their stage, right? And it was beautiful. It took you right out of the world, and there was no sorrow anywhere. Zephaniah, this text would be great to preach on on that day, because it's just filled with joy. Look at what our God does. He's with us in the midst but when you read Zephaniah, you need to read it in its context. 
See, this little piece of Zephaniah that we take out, it misses the rest of the text. It's only three chapters long. But you know what two and a half chapters spend doing? Telling us how sick and broken we are. It is speaking to the people back then, and it speaks through them to us today, and it says this world is filled with sorrow and grief and pain, and most of it is your fault. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful got to take Sunday message? And a matter of fact, it goes on. It goes on to say, you know what I'm going to do? God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this nation of Israel and I'm going to take you and I'm going to put all of you on a pyre and I'm going to light you up. I'm going to sacrifice you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Should I stop there? Thank you. Because it's painful. This is broken. And that's why Zephaniah doesn't leave us there, because God never leaves us there. In Zephaniah, when it's talking about that they're going to be killed, it's all going to go wrong, what he was really pointing to is Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is Israel in one man. Jesus Christ was born for us in poverty. He was born in a little town, in a little stable, and put into a manger. It may have been part of the house or a cave, but it was not a place that you want to have a kid. And then not long after, Herod, the king, went to kill everyone in that place because he didn't want another king in this world. He didn't want King Jesus there, and so he tried to kill them all. So Jesus and his family had to escape to where? Egypt. Does that sound familiar? When the nation of Israel, before it was the nation of Israel, was first in the promised land, you got the story of Jacob and his sons and Joshua, and there was a huge famine in the land. And where did they go to escape? Egypt. And eventually Jesus leaves Egypt and he comes back to Galilee, and there he grows up for us because he is Israel in one person. And God the Father takes his perfect son and he sacrifices him for you and for me because we are filled with pain and despair and sorrow. He gave him up for us to make us whole, to give us peace, to give us forgiveness, to give us real joy. And we are looking forward to his return, aren't we? This Jesus who died, he rose and he ascended and he is coming back. And so in this Advent season, we are saying, come Lord Jesus, because this thing's broken. It is painful. Here's the thing with uh, churches, and I'm not saying that that church with the ice skater is always like that, but there's a lot of churches out there that try to make a worship service every time we all come in and come together to be a time where there is no pain, where we ignore it, and everything is wonderful. You come in with a big smile and joy on your face, and the band better be happy the whole time, and the pastor better be a good speaker and make me feel great. And that's good, and we like that until the world hits us. Because the day that you show up, 
that is right after your wife got the diagnosis. The day that you show up right after your marriage falls apart. The day that you show up right after you lost the job. The day that you show up depressed because life just isn't what you want it to be. We don't feel like rejoicing. And we don't feel like praising. And we don't feel like seeing everybody with smiles on their faces. See, here's the thing. Jesus has come. And he has died for your sin. God the Father sacrificed him for you and for me. And he rose from the grave. And now he says, you are mine. But... You're still going to have to live in this world till my son comes back. You still have to live here, in this world, that is still filled with sorrow and pain and darkness. And still, Paul says, rejoice. But how? You rejoice that you have a God who comes to you in the midst of it. A God who never leaves you alone. A God who knows your pain, who knows your shame, who knows your grief, and still says, that's my kid. And I love her. And I love him. And I like her. And I like him. And I will come to you and I will walk this lonely road with you. I will be with you in the midst of your despair and your brokenness. I will be with you while your marriage isn't what it's supposed to be. I will be with you while you deal with the cheating that took place. I will be with you while courts are working in your life on custody of children. I will be with you every step of the way. I will be with you while you go to the funeral. I will be with you every moment because I am God with us. God comes to you in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the shame, in the midst of the grief, and he says, I still love you, and I will walk it with you. Joy is not the absence of sorrow. Joy is Jesus who loves you. Joy is Jesus who is with you. Joy is God who comes to you in the midst of sorrow and says, I'm here, and I will not leave you, and I will not forsake you. And one day, he will come back, and then there will be an absence of sorrow forever. But in the midst of it, he is with you. And so we've got to, as a church, get to a place where we can be real with each other. Because one of the major ways that God is with you is through your brothers and sisters in Christ. So stop lying when you come to this place. 
when somebody comes in this place and says to you, how you doing? If you're not doing fine, don't say fine. If you're not doing great, don't say great. If you're not doing all right, don't say all right. If you're hurting, say, I'm hurting. If you're in pain, say, I'm in pain. If you're depressed, let us know. Because you have brothers and sisters in Christ who will remind you God will walk it with you. And we will too. Because we're one family in this one God who loves us. This God who walks with us through the pain, through the turmoil, through the shame, through the addiction, through all of it, he is with us. And he gives us brothers and sisters in Christ who will do it together. And because of that, because what lies before us is a place that has no sorrow or pain or tears, we can walk through this because God is with us. He is with us. He is good. Amen. I hear a knock, it's Esperanza, the little girl from 402. Well, I'm really excited to share with you today's song called No Esta Solo. It was written by two friends of mine, Heather Choate Davis and Ben Lang. And while you're listening to Ben explain the meaning of the song and how it was written, I would love for you to go to the show notes and find the video link for the song because I really want you to watch this song. Uh, it, they've, they, the, the, the video that made for this is so amazing, and I hope that you're able to watch it. Uh, but if you just listen to it, that that's okay too. Just use your imagination, but it's a really neat video. So, Ben, tell us about this song. Hey, Kevin, thanks so much. Man, we, yeah, me and Heather were so, so blessed and uh, just over the moon with how the song turned out. And I'm grateful that you're sharing it on your podcast. It's pretty cool. Looking back how the song came about, Heather's son, he asked her last Christmas to write a song for people in his generation who are they don't get it. They don't get the true meaning of Christmas. They're disconnected um, from the the real reason for the season. And so Heather crafted this story of a young man who sees all these things. He doesn't understand. He's just got his questions, and but he feels empty. You know, he's like, there's something missing. And like, what is it? And it just really paints this beautiful picture of a family who um, invites him into his into their home and shows him that uh, he's he's not alone in this this uh, season of Christmas. And I think it's just it, it expresses it in a beautiful way because you know we talk about Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnation of Jesus, God becoming a human flesh and blood to be with us. And in the song, there's this family that really becomes um, the presence of community, kind of the presence of God for this young man who just doesn't, he doesn't have a frame of reference for God. And so I uh, hope that, yeah, I just hope that this song is, can touch people and help people to see that, um, yeah, God is really with us. And yeah, Heather and I are so super grateful just for all the other artists that contributed to the not just the song but to the video as well and thanks to you for your support man so yeah 
I think I'll take a pass on Christmas Don't need the parties or the noise I never really got the God thing And now I'm too old for toys Besides, all I do is say the word And everything I want comes to my door So what do I need Christmas for? I hear a knock, it's Esperanza The little girl from 402 Coaxing me with candy cane Says, can we set a place for you? Mama says, don't bring a thing You have to see our Navidad She holds her breath till I say yes Guess I wouldn't mind an empanada We're along it To belong now No Solo, solo, me vecino, not a stranger, no, esta solo. Feliz, feliz, the whole cheer, gather near a little barn, a tiny figures, tiny people, set in silence in the straw. I hear something in the hush Like a whisper held in time I don't know what holy is God, that mole was divine And my cheeks warm in that room Where I felt like I belonged Even more than I belong back home Cause now I feel it in my bones We're alone As I stepped inside the door No estas solo mi amigo So that's what Christmas is 